Welcome to the Bow Church podcast. This series is called What Are We Here For? We're looking at three foundational statements that describe our purpose as a church. And in this sermon, Tim May looks at what it means to be here for God, here for Bow, and here for you. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Pray now, Heavenly Father that you would send the Holy Spirit, that as we open Scripture together, we would see Jesus. Amen. Please take a seat. So we are in week three of a three-week series, concluding a series we've called, What Are We Here For? This comes off the back of a time personally reflecting at the beginning of September, when I noticed it had been a year since... Uh, the licensing service happened. And what a year. What an extraordinary year. And I was trying to get my head around, what it, what, what, God, what have you called us to bow for? What are we here for? This has been a year of contracted horizons, unexpected happenings. Uh, but what are, what are we here for? What have you got for us? And I was praying that not just for myself and Lulu, but also for the church, and then came across these sort of very simple sentences, um, on the website, and they weren't written to be kind of profound strap lines that lasted forever, but I thought actually there's something about the simplicity, there's something about simplicity in this time that's so important with all the noise going on around us, and these three sentences sum up something I think quite true of of what we are here for. Certainly, personally, it helped me get out of my existential crisis. Here for God, here for Bo, and here for you. So we've looked at here for God, what it is to be available to God because God is available to us. The word became flesh. Jesus, the incarnation, Mary's boy and the victim of the cross because things actually happened 2,000 years ago. Infinity encountered humanity because of that, because God is here for us. We in response are available to God, caught between creation, the original goodness that God made in us. And in this fragmented, decreated world, hoping for recreation, stuck in the middle between creation and recreation. Here in the story of God means also therefore being here for both. Because God moved into the neighborhood to take one translation of John 1. The glory of God, the exterior of the universe, got a face and got dirty and got bloody on the cross. The Everywhere God became particular at a particular place and took particular bread and particular wine and and asked particular people to follow him. And that opened a door on on the power of particularity of of this this loaf here that Amanda made for us to share at harvest. The the fact that our stories, individual stories count, places count. The story of, of redemption and recreation of place is everywhere, but it starts somewhere and it's where we are now. That's part of, we're part of the story. So to say we're here for God is to say we're here for the story of God, the coming of God's glory to places like Bo, where we are. It's to step in and to take responsibility for where God has called us. And so we told stories of how God is stirring that within our congregation. After what happened with the the knife crime incident at the Bow Bells and the ever-increasing need at Food Bank and in our community, we feel stirred. Or you look at this vast parish that goes all the way to the other side to Mile End Park. 0.01% of our parish attend an Anglican church. 
the population ever increasing, reaching almost its peak within a few years that it was in 1901. We'll return to that peak when there were three parishes that have become one. What does it mean for us to say we're here for God in a place like Bow? And then lastly, to hear for you, what does that mean? Well, I think that's where it gets a bit practical, this whole story, to be here for God and, and here for a place. Here for you, what does that mean? Well, it's a statement of the kind of community that we are, the kind of church that we are. It's to say that people count, that, that everyone counts. Are we talking about people that just come to church? No. No, we're, we're really not. Um, an old Archbishop, uh, Archbishop William Temple, said the church is the only organization that exists for its non-members. Which is to say that we care about everyone in Bow, regardless of whether they choose to identify or would like to come to church. We care about the community, God's places, the needs of the community. We believe in, in, in the common good, that whether people come to church or not, that there's something that we share with them. Something like Food Bank encapsulates that so well. Because so many people are partners with it. The trustees, there's a whole spread of people across all kinds of backgrounds and relig different religious faiths and none. There's a, there's a ground that's shared, a common ground between believing that actually food poverty shouldn't be something that happens. Not right now. Not in 2020. It doesn't need to happen. Is it just for people that come to church? No. Is it for people that have a certain set of beliefs or a certain lifestyle, certain kind of persuasion towards a newspaper or a type of caffeinated drink they prefer? No, it's for everyone. Do you have to have an advanced degree in uh, realized eschatology and pneumatological soteriology? No, you don't. It doesn't matter. For everyone. For everyone. <laughs> Do you have to uh, have life together to be sorted, to feel confident, strong, able to walk into a room like this? Com no. No, for, ev for everyone, for everyone, here for you, for everyone, without condition, without constraint, without contract, to be abundantly generous to our community. Because, why? Because that's the story that we think we're in. That's what John 1 represents, that the incarnation is a story of God's extravagant generosity, his love for creation. And at the end of John's gospel, when Jesus said, on the day of new creation dawning, on, on Easter Sunday, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you, and breathed on them. And with that, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that we are to embody the same nature of the incarnation, the coming alongside, the, the giving of our life away to others. The person of Jesus has shared through words and actions, through what's felt as well as what's said, what's demonstrated as well as what's explained. It's a 3D faith that we have, not just ideas. I'm sure in your own life, the way in which you have encountered Christianity, the way you found uh, Jesus, perhaps if you look back at, at stories of how you maybe have, have connected with faith at different points, it's often about people. In fact, there's, apart from a few strange people that sort of end up in the desert having mystical experiences, it's primarily about people. God primarily reveals himself through others, through the church. And it's their whole lives, isn't it? 
I look back at when I was a teenager, grew up in church, used to be a kind of like a Sunday school bully, basically, but at the Sunday school teachers. I got kicked out, which was very awkward for my dad, who was the vicar. Got kicked out of Sunday school and had to sort of sit on my... I had, had an own chair that I had to sit on at church by myself because I would be too disruptive. Well, I looked and I saw a lot of hypocrisy. I saw a lot of um, bad things in the church. And I was ready to criticize and tear down everything that I could lay my hand on that was wrong with Christianity and wrong with Christians. But it wasn't the hypocrisy that put me off. Because I thought, well, we're all broken, aren't we? We all get, make mistakes. It was what people did with it. And some of the people that I found most compelling when I didn't believe were those that knew they were full of mistakes. They knew their lives weren't perfect, but they kept coming back. They kept coming to the front. They kept coming forward for prayer. They kept kneeling before the altar. They kept knowing that there was something in this that meant that they could be friends of God even though their lives weren't perfect. The other kind of person that, that I kept on just looking at, some people were really kind, genuinely kind. I look back at, there was a, a teacher in my, in, in my school who was also at church. And I found out years later, years afterwards, that he personally went into the headmaster's office and said, if you expel this boy, that boy was me because I'd done something very naughty, I will resign. He'd extravagantly put himself in a position of personal loss for my benefit, and I'd only found out years later. People see Jesus and know Jesus through the inaudible things sometimes, through the things that we don't even know we're doing. But the question is, how do we show up in this community? Do people see us? Do people feel us? Do people know that this isn't just, I mean, it is a beautiful building. It is a beautiful building and an old building, but is, it, is church just that? No, of course not. How do we show up? Saying we're here for you is saying we want to show up in people's lives. We want to be missed. That's what it would look like. If we wrapped up and packed up everything we did as a church, would we be missed? I'll tell you where we would be missed. The now a thousand lives that use the food bank. The queue of 500 adults now on a Monday. If we, if we took our involvement out of food bank, remember it's not just the church, but if we took our involvement out, we'd be missed. But what more could we do? <laughs> what else could we do in the soil of bow that if we stopped doing it, we would be missed? Saying we're here for you says we need to show up. It's seriously practical. You know, I hear ideas are great. I, I have ideas. Ideas are fantastic. But this, this will be a reality in our diaries and in our bank balances. This is a practical thing, not an abstract thing. So how do we get there? There are many things, of course. But just one idea, as we celebrate harvest and on the day where we have our APCM, if you hadn't heard, which I'm sure you had, but you are invited to the annual meeting of the church, the parish meeting. If you're on the electoral roll, you can vote uh, throughout all the meeting. And if you live in the parish, you can vote in the first part of the meeting, even though you're not on the roll. But this annual meeting, this, this, this time that's very formal, and, and we're doing it on Zoom later, I am guarantee it will be clunky and there'll be mistakes, but we're giving it a go. But this meeting that's very formal, what it represents and, and what we'll say and who we'll thank are those that have given unbelievably sacrificially their time and their energy to allow this church to be what it is. What we will be recognizing is not what the rector has done. What we'll be recognizing is what all of us have done. 
and particularly those that have been set apart to play a role on the PCC or in other ways. Harvest is about gifts. It's about recognizing the goodness and the gift of creation from God and then bringing back to God thankfulness and giving gifts. Today, we, we give a gift financially to the Bow Food Bank. Now, you can do that online. Uh, we'll be opening it. The, the, we won't sort of do the final gift till next week. So if you get the church email, then you, you can get the bank account details and give the reference. Um, what was the reference? Harvest, harvest. Um, and if you don't get the church email, you can fill out one of the hello cards and put it in the donation box. Or you can put money in, in the donation box over there on the way out and also next Sunday, and then afterwards, we'll count up and give a gift. Harvest is about bringing gifts. That's a particular gift financially that we're giving as a church this year. But it's also about recognizing the gifts of each other and the gifts that we bring. And, and it's appropriate and quite wonderful that we're doing Harvest and the APCM on the same Sunday, because later this evening, we'll recognize all the gifts, all the ways people have brought their time and their selves, the sacrificial honesty, you know, the, the PCC, Thursday night, Rainy, January, it's 7 p.m. You don't want to be at a PCC meeting, really, do you? Well, people are there. <laughs> people come. And it's, it's because of those people, because of what people do in the church. And all the, not just PCC, all the millions of things I see and I find someone doing. I come in, sometimes open the door, walk in, find someone's tidy something, someone's clean something. There are thousands of ways in which we contribute to this church. But I want to say, you're invited to give more. Not because of some kind of mean God that says that you have to give more of yourself, otherwise he won't love you, but because it's a reciprocal relationship. As God gives to us, we give back. Maybe you're bored of what you do at church at the moment. Maybe you give in a way that makes you kind of tired and grumpy. Maybe you want to do something new. But as we look to this year and in these extraordinary times that we're in, we're going to need each other. We're really going to need each other. We're going to need the gifts that God has entrusted us as a community. Church is, is, is not more than what we share. So what are you sharing? What are you giving? Think of those that have been guarded at St. Leonard's. Not always glamorous and not always easy in the weather, pulling up weeds. Some of those in that small team have been there pretty much every week since June, I guess. And the difference is showing. The place is looking incredible. There are all kinds of opportunities already, and in the coming weeks, we're going to highlight more about how we can love and bless the parish. Food bank it will always need more volunteers. We talked before at church meetings about how we're wanting to start new worship communities in the south of the parish and in the west, like there were at the beginning of the 20th century. We, we have a generous God and an abundant God, and we're saying there should be more of the church in this parish. So give of ourselves. Give of our money. The reading 2 Corinthians that we, we heard just now read, that's a particular situation, a church in the New Testament being called to give generously. Uh, there was a famine in Judea and the church in Philippi had given abundantly and Paul writes to 2 Corinthians to say, you should give sacrificially too. And that's really what he's talking about. But he says, that, and the key line is not reluctantly or under compulsion. And, and those two ideas, I think, should be held together in how we give money. Not reluctantly, not sort of tight-fisted, but neither under compulsion. I would be embarrassed if I found out anyone felt awkward or ashamed because they didn't give financially to this church. 
If anyone came to church and felt that they would only be welcomed if they gave money, I would be embarrassed to know I was part of that church. I would want people to come in and feel welcome, that they can belong before they believe, before they can give. I just want people to feel welcome. I'd be embarrassed if people felt that's the only way I could come through these doors. But the, the New Testament norm is, is that you commit to a church and you give of yourself and you give of your time and you give of your money. So if you don't give, I'd love to also, I'd be embarrassed to be part of a church that didn't make that clear, that you're invited to give money financially because we are no more than what we share. And just one tiny thing on that, yeah, this is a tiniest tangent, it's not about amount primarily. It really isn't. It's about our hearts. The one thing, and there are many, but the one thing that I'd like us to go away with, thinking, well, how do we do this? We've heard three weeks, here for God, here for Bo, here for you. It is generosity, the one thing that I'd love us to take away that is at the heart, I think, of how we do this, the practicalities as a church, how we move forward into this next season. I think it's generosity. Generosity is key. It's, it, it's that abundant, extravagant way in which God just is. The, the overflow of what kind of thing would be in such a way that would make all things. That's who God is. What would there be somewhere, some kind of like being that is so generous that out of that being, all things were made. That, who, that is who God is. The abundance of creation. That's why we do things like exploring Christianity and food bank and all the stuff that we're doing uh, to, to be generous with our faith because it's who God is. To create a gracious space between church and the culture where people can receive that generosity. So generosity is, I think, the grain. It is the way in which we should go in this season. It's, it's a weapon. It's a weapon in time, times when we're so often retreating. We are being told to go into ourselves, to protect ourselves, to put on masks, to retreat backwards. Generosity opens us up to give ourselves away to the parish to give ourselves away to people. Generosity is the gift for this time. So practically, do go away, have a think. What in this time are you being called to give uh, in your time, your energy, your gifts? Where are you being called? And, and is God asking you, uh, is it right for you at this time to consider giving financially to the church or increasing how you give? Two questions for you to go away and think about. The end of John, it says, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. As we close now and come move towards the table, let's cast our minds and our hearts to the generosity of God in Jesus, who gave of himself, who loved us to the end and loves us today. In his body and his blood, we receive the presence of God, the generosity of the Father.